beyond everything. Father, to know you is beyond comprehension. That you would just take time to introduce yourself to your creation, the greatest of your creation, both man and woman, created in your image and likeness, Almighty God. The introduction that came through Adam and Hava Eve, our mother, and the revelation that you desire to have with us that we can have this day, and then through your word. Father, we're so blessed to have your word, the scriptures, in various languages, almighty God. Father, we look forward to the day when the Bible translators can finally make that proclamation that your word has been transliterized and written in every known language of every people group upon this earth. Almighty God, we look forward to that day. But Lord, we are so enriched by having many translations of your word and having the opportunity to own more than one translation of your word, Almighty God. Your word that speaks about your plan and your hope and that we're part of that plan and the hope that we have, Father, although we see all these things happening today, economies failing, people failing, viruses coming. Almighty God, we look to you through your Son to be our eternal hope. And so, Father, we lift up all those who are now currently suffering with the coronavirus. Father, we pray for that antidote to come forth, mm -hmm. that those lives can be saved. And, Father, we pray that you would impress on the hearts of the men and women who are in leadership over these nations to publicly pronounce the truth. What's going on in their villages, in their cities, in their counties, and in their countries, almighty God. We thank you, Father, for the wisdom and knowledge that you've been given to this medical staffs around the world. But, Father, we just continue to pray for your healing touch and for an antidote to come, Father. Father, we grieve with all those who have lost loved ones with this virus and also just with the basic flu and those that die daily from cancer, from accidents, and all these other things, Almighty God. May your presence be with those who are in mourning, Almighty God, the loss of their loved ones. That you use even tragedy to introduce God the Father through the Son through and by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. We thank you, Father, for your will and for your plans. And we thank you most of all for your word. And Father, now as we turn to your word, may your word be refreshed into our hearts. May the Spirit of the living God that is, was sent to us to lead us into all truth cause the word of God to become alive in our hearts. Let him show us how we may apply it to our daily lives. 
that we would be able to grow and develop as strong men and women of, of the God of the Most High, that we would rise up and build the Father's kingdom, being men filled with the spirit of the living God and the word of God, that the renewing of our mind, the renewing of our character, the renewing of everything that we say or do or plan for our future and the time and the things that we invest in, Almighty God, would be established in and through your word by the power and the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. The Acts of Yeshua's Emissaries, Shalakim, which are the Apostles, chapter 13. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 13. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As to give you a little bit of background, the temple still stands. The morning and evening sacrifices are done and are completed every day. Can you imagine what would have happened at the time of the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua? At that very, after just a day or two, immediately that followed that, that all of a sudden the Roman army would have invaded Jerusalem and began to tear down the temple. God is always a God of transition. As he's had his people walk before him, and the temple was established, the sacrificial system was established to point towards something that would come and to replace it in the future. But the time is not right at this time. And that's why the temple still stands. Rome has not invaded Jerusalem and torn down the temple and took all the artifacts, artifacts of the temple away. But God is establishing a transition. And so now God is now using someone who appeared to be as his enemy, a Pharisee. Most of us know him being called Paul or Saul of Tarsus. And so with this, we begin in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. In Antioch, and where is Antioch? Is it in Israel? No. It's in present-day Syria. In Antioch, the congregation were prophets and teachers, Barnaba, Barnabas, and Shimon, known as the Black, Lucius from Cyrene, and Menachem, who had been brought up with Herod, the governor, and Shaul, some of your translations call him Paul, which is his Roman name or Greek name. One time when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, said to them, notice this, they hear the voice. They all hear his voice. Not just one, but they all hear the voice. And this is a familiar voice to them. This is all of a sudden they walk into an area and they're spending time in prayer. Then all of a sudden... If you hear a voice, what would normally happen? If you're praying with your eyes open, you'd simply look towards the door or maybe towards a window opening because they did not have glass on their windows. And you would think, well, someone is speaking to you. 
but they knew the voice of the Spirit of the living God. This is a challenge to all Messianic believers, all those who call upon the name of the Lord. Are you familiar with the voice of the Spirit of the living God? Does he speak to you? Do you listen? And after hearing him, do you simply walk in obedience to what he's telling you to do? See, because the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, was sent to us to bring us into all truth and to get our attention, to give us direction so that we would walk in unity with one another. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so back to verse 2. One time when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, Notice, they not only worshiped the Lord, but they also went through seasons of fastings. It doesn't say that this is Yom Kippur. There's no evidence that this is what's taking place here. That's an annual time where we as Jews are to fast. But this is a time of fasting and prayer. The Ruach HaKodesh said to them, Set aside for me Barnaba, Barnabas and Shaul Paul, for the work which I have called them. This is a time of calling out. This is a time saying, I got a specific mission for these two individuals to do. And it's my desire, the Holy Spirit speaking, the Ruach HaKodesh, is that you would then allow them to go and do this work. Let's move forward. And after fasting and praying, notice this. They just simply didn't say, well, it's time for you guys to move on. They spent more time in prayer and fasting. What were they trying to gain here? But the mind of the Lord. And who's speaking to them the mind of the Lord? And confirming it to them. But the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. How are elders, rabbis, or in some places, uh, pastors and deacons to gain the mind and will of the Lord through times of prayer and fasting and times of listening to what the Spirit is saying. And notice this, they're not sitting there and having a brainstorming think tank. Well, what should we do next? They're worshiping and they're fasting and they're praying. How many times in congregations They set aside worship and prayer and fasting. And they're not spending time inquiring the mind of the Lord. Because we're not to move to the left or the right. But we're simply to what? Remain in the presence of the living God until he says and gives us our marching orders. That's how the kingdom of God is being established today. It's not through buying airtime on radio or television, coming up with some kind of slick gimmick or writing some book. It's by simply spending time in the presence of the living God and worship and prayer and at times fasting. Like what, what did we just do just a few moments ago? We're worshiping the Lord. What happens sometimes as we're worshiping the Lord? The Spirit of the living God speaks in and through one of us from time to time. 
He may give us insights in certain areas. But it's for the betterment of the congregation as a whole. So let us move forward here. And after praying, after fasting and praying, they placed their hands on them and set them off. Did they set their hands on them and say, now you got to get out of here? No. They laid hands upon them and they began to pray and intercede. They were sending them out with a blessing, commissioning them and saying, now you two men, and the Spirit of living God has told all of us here that this is the Father's plan for you to be set aside and to go and do this work. And we're going to remain here. We're going to pray and we're going to continue to fast. And we're standing with you. So let's move forward. Verse 4. So these two, after they had been sent out by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. How did they know where to go? There wasn't a prophetic word said, you now need to go to Seleucia, and then now you're to take a boat ride over to Cyprus. The Spirit of the living God was speaking to them. Let's move forward. After the landing in Salamis, they began to proclaiming the word of God in the synagogues. Wait a second. They didn't go to First Baptist Church? Fifth Methodist Church? Uh, Cross of Glory Lutheran Church? Holy Remnant Roman Catholic Church? No. Why? Because they did not even exist. They went where? A place where Adonai was being lifted up. A place where Adonai was being glorified. A place where they had common with other believers. And some believers that were on the way. See, because just not too long ago, Rav Shaul was on his way to another city in Damascus called Syria called Damascus, and he was there to arrest all those followers of the way. But something had changed in his life. He has been transformed. And so the very one that he was against, he is now as an ambassador. And notice this, he wasn't sent by himself. He had someone that would stand with him side by side. These two men were co-equals. They were sent out so that when one was discouraged, the other one would be there to encourage that person. And as we go through the book of Acts, you'll notice that God was building a dynamic team here, a relationship. They were with each other seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Think about the example that Yeshua had set, where he picked his 12. One of them he knew from the very beginning he was a betrayer, but he still invested in his life. He gave him authority, and he gave him opportunity to choose. And 
possibly in the back of Barnabas' mind, would not Barnabas be a, a great prize for Saul, Shaul, to actually bring him to be arrested and turn over to his fellow Pharisees who were non-believers? Yes, this could have taken place. But what was the assurance that Barnabas had? Was that Rav Shaul demonstrated the fruits of true repentance and he was a true believer. And he had heard him speak from time to time in the synagogues. So here we are, after landing at Salamis, they began proclaiming the word of God in the synagogues. With Yohanan, now this isn't uh, James or Yaakov's brother. This is a different Yohanan. This is Mark, of who the gospel of Mark And he was as an assistant. And you may say, well, how do you know it wasn't Yohanan, John? Because he would be then now a co-equal. All the apostles, the 11 that survived, were all co-equals. But here are two others that are now named that weren't part of the original 12. They're Barnabas and Shaul Paul. And they have an assistant with them. Because any Bible theologian will tell you this. Not one work, letter, written in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, that was not penned, not written, by an apostle. That's why we can say in the Brit Hadashah, the apostles became prominent. In the Tanakh, we never hear of an apostle. There were the prophets. So let us move forward here. And verse 6, And thus they made their way throughout the whole island. And what are they doing? They're proclaiming the word of God. This is something brand new. Because what they're, they are now saying is in a very, very not hidden way, but they're proclaiming that there has been a sacrifice that has been made that will one day replace the sacrifices of the morning and evening sacrifices. And so this is a transition because those that were living in Antioch did not have the opportunity to hear Yeshua preach and teach unless they were there visiting during the high holy days. So the good news was to go to whom first? But to the Jews first. Even to those that were in the diaspora. So let us continue. They ended up in Pathos, where they found a Jewish sorcerer. Can you imagine that? That sounds like an oxymoronic statement, does it not? That's like today when I hear the word, oh, a person claims they're a Jewish atheist. What? That doesn't make any sense. Let's move forward. 
They found a Jewish sorcerer and a sadal prophet named Bar Yeshua. Notice that name. What does Bar mean in Hebrew? Son. He's a son of salvation? Have you ever looked at that word? Examine the meaning of that word? What did Yeshua say? That once he's gone, that there will be many come, false prophets, and many claiming to be what? The Messiah. Think of this person, son of Yeshua. Now, was he named after Yeshua? No. Because there were many other boys in Israel that had the name Yeshua. Yeshua was a common name. Let's move forward. He attached himself to the governor. Notice that. That's like someone walks in a room and you're having conversation with someone. Then all of a sudden the governor would walk into the room and then I'll pick on myself. I would excuse myself from the conversation I have with you. And I immediately would just run right up to the governor. And I would just give him uh, all kinds of flattery. Oh, you look well today, sir, etc. Let's move forward. So he attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. Isn't that a blessing when we have those that God has put in, in authority over us that actually have common sense or have a little bit of intelligence? It's amazing. When the scripture points these things out, sometimes I chuckle. I see the humor in some of these things. And it's important that we do. Now the governor had called Barnaba, Barnabas and Shaul and was anxious to hear their message about God. And why was that? Because I believe this, that some of his representatives to the governor attended the synagogues. Let's move forward. But the sorcerer Elimas, for that is how his name is translated, opposed them, doing his best to turn the governor away from the faith. What faith? Judaism? Was the governor a Jew? No. Was Most likely, was he a pagan? Absolutely. So was it the pagan faith that he was trying to dissuade him from going near? No, but it was the faith that Yeshua is the Messiah. But wait a second, the governor is a Gentile, that's right. What are the Jewish people to be? A light to the nations. And that's why the, the good news had to be proclaimed first to the Jewish people. And think, these two representatives that God had sent out as his apostles, is it a Jew and Gentile, one a Messiah? No, these are two Jewish men, Barnabas and Shaul. So let us move forward. Verse 9, then Shaul, also known as Paul, filled with what? Passion and zeal? That's how we find him in the earlier chapter of the book of Acts. We see him as an instigator when Stephen, Stephen was stoned. To the point where he said, oh, I'll hold your jacket. There, hey, why don't you take your cloak off so you got better aim? 
Otherwise, you know what? That cloak, that heavy cloak, can impede you from throwing that stone at Stephen. Now, he didn't say those exact words, but basically that's what he was. He was collecting all the coats because they left the coats at his feet. This is definitely a changed man. Transformation into the character of Messiah Yeshua. Let's go forward. Paul being filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. Can people say that of Rabbi Frank at all times? I don't think so. You see, when Rabbi Frank is not filled with the Holy Spirit, he might do what Rabbi Frank thinks needs to be done. Rabbi, why do you keep going to those places? Because that's the truth. We're to be filled with what? The spirit of the living God, the Ruach HaKodesh. Then when we do something, we're not doing it out of our own strength, wisdom, and for our own gain. But we're doing the will of the Father and we're building the kingdom. And I tell you this, when you go toe-to-toe with a sorcerer, who do you think you can stand in your own strength? Absolutely not. Many years ago, I used to do street witnessing on the streets of Hennepin Avenue and the streets of Minneapolis. And one day when I was out handing these tracts, they were all just scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. A, a figure came towards me. And this was a summer day, okay? And it was hot out. And this guy walked out, and he was wearing a black garment. I couldn't see his face at first. And I just thought, well, that's a very large Muslim woman. But it wasn't. And when he walked up, because later I found out it was a man, the people around him didn't even notice his presence. And he walked up to me. He said, I got some questions for you. I said, sure. And so we we talked back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I shared the good news with him. And he said, well, I've been here and I've been doing my father's will. And I said, well, who's your father? He said, it's not your father. I serve another God. And I said, well, what do you mean you've been serving him? He said, I've been keeping you away from passing out this pamphlet. And he crunched it and he threw it on the ground. And he simply walked away. Prior to us going out, and that was one of the few times we always went out two by two, we had an odd number that day. And so I went out alone, but I went out prayed up. Because, you know, there are times when we are in the presence of the adversaries. That's Hasatan's servants. And if you stand in your own strength, you'll be humbled. God will allow the adversary to humble you. So that's why I'm, I'm really pressing this point here, where we read here that Paul was filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. And he stared straight at him and he said, and I believe this, he's hearing what the Spirit of the living God is telling him what to say. 
Do you think uh, Rav Shaul, who is a Pharisee, who's come to faith in Messiah, prior to this time would even give a sorcerer, his, a Jewish sorcerer, the time of day? Absolutely not. Let's move forward. This is what he was told to say. You son of Satan. Wait a second. He's not being politically correct. He's not being very polite. That's not how you influence people and win people over. But what does the spirit of living God speak in and through him? The truth. And tells him right where he is. Notice this. Who is this guy supposed to be? He's supposed to be from the nation of Israel. But he's not serving the God of Israel. He's practicing sorcery, which is condemned in the Tanakh. This is God showing mercy. Let's move forward. You, you son of Satan, full of fraud and evil. Wait a second. You're supposed to find something there to compliment him on. No. When the Spirit of living God speaks, when Yeshua speaks, he pulls no punches. He says things as they are. Otherwise, listen, Yeshua could not be God equal to the Father. Right now, who's speaking through Rav Shaul? But the Ruach HaKodesh, also equal with the Father. Is Rav Shaul equal with the Father? Absolutely not. But he's not speaking his own words by his own authority. Let's move forward. You son of Satan, full of fraud and evil. You evil, you enemy of everything that is good. There's nothing that comes from this guy. Isn't it amazing? There are now people who are claiming to be white witches. There are Christians that have Christian tarot cards, which is another oxymoronic statement. They cannot come together and be blended. You either serve one kingdom or you serve another. Either you're a prophet of the Most High God or you are not. Let's move forward. Won't you ever stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? See, he's bringing confusion here. Why? Because the governor knows that this is a Jewish man who should know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And why is he doing these things? For his own self-gain. He doesn't care about the governor. He doesn't care about anyone that lives on the island of Cyprus. All that he is in, therefore, is for himself. He's using Adonai in a very perverse and profane way. Let's move forward. So now, look, the hand of the Lord is upon you. Doesn't that sound like a blessing? 
Absolutely, because he's on what? He's on the path to destruction. Fully knowing and fully understanding the path that he's on. Let's move forward. The Lord of the hand of the Lord is upon you. For while you will be blind. Now, isn't that a statement of faith? Who's listening here? The governor? His esteemed guests. And everyone, the secretaries are writing down what's going on here. They're recording everything that's being said. Talk about a step of faith. Talk about knowing the will, what the Spirit of the living God is saying and doing, and walking therein. For a while you will be blind and unable to see the sun. Think about when those words proceeded from his mouth. I believe that Rav Shul, the Apostle Paul, remembered the day when he saw someone brighter than the sun. His eyes were blinded, and yet his sight was restored. And knowing this, he's not giving a fire and brimstone message, but he's warning him about the upcoming destruction of his life if he does not do teshuva and repent and turn from his evil ways. Because this is how this gentleman earned his living, through sorcery. Let's move forward. Immediately, mist and darkness came over Elamas, and he groped about, trying to find someone to lead him by the hand. Can you imagine? Right now, I believe the governor took a step back. Everyone else? This man that's in our midst can hear the mind of God. And you think that the only person that was practicing sin was this Jewish sorcerer? There were many others there. Let's move forward. Then on seeing what had happened, the governor trusted. Trusted in what? His paganism? Did he convert to Judaism? Did later did they bring him to be circumcised? Scripture doesn't record any of that. But he put his trust in the message of the good news that Yeshua is the promised Messiah. The governor trusted and astounded by the teaching about the Lord. So now there's a pause. Now having set sail for Pathos, Shaul and his companions, companions arrived at Pergia and Pampilia. There, Yohanan, Mark, left them, and he returned to Jerusalem. We're going to stop right there. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs>